Hi, you're listening to the House Call Doctor's Quick and Dirty Tips for Taking Charge of Your Health, and I'm your host, Dr. Majd. I recently ran into a friend who shared his recent battles with recurrent diverticulitis. Devin was so distraught over the illness that he had actually started to limit his food choices significantly, to the point that his quality of life was truly diminished and he had lost quite a bit of weight as a result. I truly felt for him and his struggle reminded me of the new research findings on food restrictions that are advised for patients with this potentially serious condition. Doctors may recommend that sufferers avoid certain foods like nuts and popcorn, but does this really cause diverticulitis? Let's learn more about this medical condition in today's episode. But first, a word from our sponsors. Social media is an important part of marketing and PR today, but do you know how to really use it to your company's advantage? Fortunately, our friends at Reagan Communications have teamed up with the Public Relations Society of America to bring you the second annual Social Media for PR and Corporate Communications Conference at Disney World. You'll hear from experts at companies big and small, including Whole Foods, Google, and Teach for America, and learn how to tie your social media strategy to your communications plan and overall business objectives, all with the magical backdrop of Disney World. The conference will be held April 2nd to the 4th in 2014, so find out more at quickanddirtytips.com offers. That's quickanddirtytips.com offers. So what is diverticulitis anyway? Well, before we actually understand what diverticulitis is, it's really important to understand diverticulosis. Diverticulosis refers to small outpouchings called diverticula that are found in the inside lining of the colon. You can actually think of them as tiny pockets that are present in up to 10% of people over the age of 45. This incidence increases with age to about 80%, however, of people over the age of 85. So these little pockets actually can sometimes get small bits of food stuck inside of them, which can then become inflamed and even potentially infected. So when this happens, patients often feel pain and get what is referred to as diverticulitis. In medicine, anything that ends in itis actually refers to inflammation. Therefore, diverticulitis is inflammation of the diverticular pockets in the colon. But not everyone with diverticulosis develops diverticulitis. Only about 25% of people with these colon pockets actually get them inflamed. So those with diverticulitis, not osis, they actually feel quite ill. There is what doctors called a triad of symptoms that include, number one, fever. Number two, an elevated white blood cell count, which is found on a routine blood test called the CBC and more than half of those with diverticulitis. And it's actually a reflection of an acute infection. And number three, abdominal pain. This can be anywhere in the stomach, but it is classically found in the left lower abdomen. Other possible symptoms include a decreased appetite, nausea, constipation, diarrhea, and elevated heart rate or abdominal distension or bloating. So how are people with diverticulitis diagnosed? Well, people who have a history of diverticulitis simply know when they're actually experiencing an acute attack. When symptoms are mild, imaging, meaning like x-rays or CT scans, are not typically necessary. However, diverticulitis is most often diagnosed with abdominal CT scans the best. So if you're a regular listener or reader of the House Call Doctor's show, 
You know that I'm actually not a big fan of CT scans due to excessive exposure to ionizing radiation. I think CT scans are overutilized in the U.S. and really should be reserved for those when it's absolutely necessary. So in a patient with severe abdominal pain, especially with a fever and an elevated white blood cell count, it may be necessary depending on the severity of the symptoms. But if you actually have a history of diverticulitis that's been documented on a prior CT and your symptoms are mild and similar, you don't need a CT scan every single time that you have abdominal pain or an acute attack. An ultrasound is actually a good alternative to the CT for diagnosis of diverticulitis. However, it may not be the best choice if we suspect certain complications from diverticulitis. Also, a colonoscopy may be recommended after an acute attack has resolved, typically about 46 weeks after. If left untreated, diverticulitis can actually be very serious and can cause some potentially life-threatening complications, including an abscess, which is a ball of pus surrounding the inflamed pocket, a perforation, which is a hole that's created in the colon wall as a result of inflammation, a fistula, which is a tunnel that's created connecting the colon and the nearby organs, including the bladder or the rectum, bleeding, and an obstruction in the colon. So how is it treated? Well, most patients, meaning over 90%, can actually be treated without hospitalization. Besides oral antibiotics, doctors recommend an initial clear liquid diet along with close monitoring by your doctor. Most patients see an improvement in symptoms within two to four days of outpatient treatment. Your doctor may decide to hospitalize you if your symptoms don't improve with oral antibiotics, however, and in that case, you would require IV antibiotics. If your fever doesn't break, if your pain doesn't subside, or if you cannot tolerate any fluids or foods. Up to a third of those with one episode of acute diverticulitis have another attack sometime in their lifetime, and surgery is often recommended after the third attack that requires hospitalization, but this varies depending on the patient, of course. So how do we prevent diverticulitis? Unfortunately, we don't know why some people are so prone to diverticulitis when there are so many others with diverticulosis who actually never get their diverticula inflamed. However, we do know that for some reason, patients who are obese and live a rather sedentary lifestyle tend to have a higher risk of developing diverticulitis. There is evidence that the following recommendations are helpful in preventing diverticulous attacks to some extent. So number one, increase your fiber intake. Number two, exercise. Number three, lose weight if you're obese. Number four, avoid anti-inflammatory drugs like ibuprofen, naproxen, etc. Number five, quit smoking. And number six, taking lactobacillus, which is a probiotic, may actually also help. Two prescription drugs that may also aid in preventing future attacks are mesalamine and zyfaxin. So you can ask your doctor about those. So what about avoiding nuts, seeds, corn, or popcorn? As it was advised to my friend Devin, you may be wondering, perhaps you were also given the same advice at some point along the way? Well, there was a large study that was recently done in 2008 that actually refuted this theory. It seems that small food particles are not the culprits in causing diverticulitis. So share your ideas and learn more quick and dirty tips for your health on the House Call Doctors Facebook and Twitter pages. And you could actually find me on Pinterest now as well. 
So please note that all content here is strictly for informational purposes only. It does not substitute any medical advice and it doesn't replace any medical judgment or reasoning by your own personal health provider. Please always seek a licensed physician in your area regarding all health-related questions and issues. So thanks again to today's sponsor, the second annual Social Media for PR and Corporate Communications Conference at Disney World. Learn more at quickanddirtytips.com slash offers. Well, thanks again for listening to this episode of The House Call Doctor. And if you have any future topic suggestions, you can actually email me at housecalldoctor at quickanddirtytips.com. Have a colon healthy week. <laughs> <laughs>